Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 57. With me today, I have another guest, Zach Caputo again. How's it going, Kip? It's going very well. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And today we're going to be talking about small communities and the positives and negatives that we've observed after going to a college of 16 or 1,700 students and, of course, the faculty and staff members who also live on or around campus. Zach, one of my first questions to you would be, before you came to Kenyon, did you have any experience with smaller communities or smaller towns? Absolutely. In terms of my education, it was really all I had known. I was raised in a combination of Montessori schools and Waldorf schools. So kindergarten through sixth grade, I was in a Montessori school, various Montessori schools, and they sort of combine grades in the classroom because typically the class sizes are pretty small. So in fourth grade, I was in a classroom with fourth graders, fifth graders, and sixth graders, and there were probably 30 of us. And then moving on to high school, I went to a Waldorf school from seventh through 12th grade. And in the Waldorf school system, you stay with the same class every day, pretty much. You have all of your class together you move throughout the school together and so I had a class of about 26 more or less the same 26 people from seventh grade to the time I graduated all right and coming to Kenyon do you feel that you were well prepared to engage in this small community absolutely you know I had sort of weighed doing something different and going to a bigger school just because even though I live in a pretty big city I thought that I might want something different in terms of a scholastic community. But when I ultimately decided on Kenyon and I came here, not only did I feel like I was prepared for the size of the community, it also sort of felt very smooth. It was a flawless transition, I guess. So one of the things I first noticed, because I came from a community of about 50,000, my high school was maybe a thousand kids. To me, Kenyon is in many ways the epitome of certain aspects of what small communities are. I think of some of the negatives first and then we can move to the positives, the idea that Kenyan couples are Kenyan married is a very prominent idea that I often think about. And obviously you see certain couples or certain groups of people that often spend a lot of time together. And I think it's not only that they become, in the minds of others, Kenyan married, but that they are talked about and gossiped about. And that always bothers me because you never really know what's going on with people. But of course, in a small community like this, people are innately fascinated with the lives and goings on of others. And I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because we sort of talk about the inclusiveness of the Kenyan community a lot and how diverse we are as a group, relatively, and just how it's easy for people at Kenyon to interact with each other just because of how tight-knit the whole community is. But in reality, I think what a lot of what you're saying is true in that Kenyon is very clicky. You have friend groups, you have sports teams, you have Greek organizations, and a lot of people tend to spend time with the same between three and eight people all the time throughout their four years here. And there isn't a lot of branching out. You know, obviously there are exceptions to the rule, but in terms of friend groups, it is a pretty clicky school. And the same goes for intimate relationships. You know, you have people who start dating freshman year and will be in a relationship all four years here. And they become known as that couple. You know, they everyone knows that they are dating, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but you certainly make your reputation very quickly here and establish that. 
I think it's interesting that you say make your reputation because one of the issues that I wanted to discuss with you is the idea of first impressions and how reputations are then built. I would argue people do that for you and often very critically so. And I think that there are positive first impressions, but also in my experience, there have been mistakes that are made, particularly in freshman year, that tend to stay with you and haunt you. And don't get me wrong, I think people make mistakes and do things that maybe they regret or were in many ways wrong. But especially in college, which I find to be a time of learning and growth, you're going to make a few mistakes. That's how you grow and how you learn. And I feel that Kenyon often is not super receptive to that because we know the people who made these mistakes because we live down the hall from them, etc. What do you think about that concept? Yeah, I definitely see what you what you mean. Have you had any experience with that concept or witnessed similar issues of first impressions sticking and people developing opinions? Absolutely. I still remember my first two weeks at Kenyon. And while I would say of it, a lot of the first impressions that I made on other people were pretty positive. I can distinctly recall putting myself into situations that were fairly compromising that uh, didn't necessarily reflect on my character and left a lasting impression on the people who were there at the time. So I think that yes, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. Your reputation can be made for you. That's something unfortunate about this size of a community. But on the flip side, I think that because this place is so small and because you see the same faces every day, you are offered second chances and third chances and fourth chances and, you know, more time to sort of get to know people who perhaps you didn't get off on the right foot with to begin with, or you have made up a totally construed impression of. The cool thing about Kenyon when it comes to first impressions is that you're almost guaranteed a second impression in a third one. So I know that you are involved in several social circles at Kenyon that uh, I don't necessarily interact with as much or that I don't intersect with. How did you find your niche, I guess, with the comedy group that you're in, people that you spend time with, doing stride and saunter like how did you sort of establish that and how was that made from your first couple of days or weeks at Kenyon? It's a good question. I would argue that in many ways I haven't really found a niche. I often feel very out of place at Kenyon because, like you said, it's a very clicky place and I don't have one friend group or one group of people. And while I can respect the stability that that can often afford, I've witnessed a lot of infighting and people who hang out with the same people but are mad at them. And so they have to sit at the same table, but they won't discuss things that are bothering them. And I find that to be stressful. And so I've often dodged or avoided those situations in associating with a wide array of people. Many I know have criticized or wondered if I'm then not having deep relationships or friendships with these numbers of people because I'm not interacting acting with one person over and over, but rather a group or a wide set of groups. And I think that's a fair criticism. So then how would you characterize the quality of your relationships at Kenyon? I know that's a hard thing to quantify, but do you think that in a place that is this small and this isolated, do you find that you can't necessarily really get to know someone that well or as well as you would like? That's a really good question. I don't think that's true. I think there are certainly limits of reality that prohibit us from befriending, let's say, everyone because there just aren't enough hours in the day and there are things that you need to get done. But I've tried to be very proactive about my encounters with people. And if I see someone eating alone or someone that I haven't seen in a while, I will usually act on that, approach them, ask if I can join them. 
and make the most of that. And the most of that conversation, that hour that I have with them or whatever encounters I might have, it's liberating in a lot of ways. And I've really enjoyed the freedom to just sort of go where I please and see if I encounter people. If not, try and enjoy time by myself. But it is lonely in a lot of ways. I think at Kenyon, on the weekends in particular, if you don't have plans with people, you could go an entire weekend without seeing your friends because people go out and sort of have specific plans and parties they're going to visit. And that has been limiting. And I personally choose not to drink. So a lot of the alcohol-related events at Kenyon aren't exclusive, but I don't always feel as comfortable in those environments. So I might not always go out. So I think a lot of my socializing at Kenyon in the small community environment has been a means of navigating those differences and trying to find ways in which I can still operate at my best social capacity despite other circumstances. So tell me about the, the comedy group that you're in, The Fools on the Hill. How did you come to find that group and sort of become a part of that? And I know you'd mentioned them earlier, and I'm sorry I hadn't yet gotten to that. (laughs) I remember very vividly in my first few weeks thinking about groups that I wanted to join or things that I wanted to do because one of the pieces of advice that I'd been given before coming to Kenyon was that you should get involved in something, and that's how you meet people. And I would give that advice to anyone, really, entering a new community. I think it's how you find people like yourself because you will ultimately meet people that share your interests, share your values in some ways. And so I remember thinking, what do I enjoy? And improv came to mind because I've always been... And telling jokes for as long as I can remember. And I remember speaking with my UCC, my upper class counselor at the time, and asking about improv groups. And he said, yeah, there's the fools on the hill, but most people don't get in. And I remember thinking, okay, well, I hope that doesn't happen to me. But of course, I auditioned and was very fortunate enough to be welcomed into the group. And it's been interesting. I would say I haven't always been as close with some of the fools as with others, or even necessarily with the group as a whole, as with other groups of friends, because I know certain people in, let's say, Greek organizations or performing groups, like you said, tend to associate with those groups. I've often felt that it is a thing that I do, but not necessarily what I want to define me. But that's also tricky because at the same time, I would like to be known as someone who does improv because I'm proud of it and really enjoy it. And it's been sort of a tension because I don't always share the same activities with the fools outside of improv practice. And that can get very tough. And I think that a lot of times people will associate you with the fools. And if I've said to certain friends, oh, I felt kind of lonely this weekend, didn't really know who to hang out with people will often ask, well, weren't you hanging out with the fools? And I'll say, no, and it's nothing personal, but we don't always run in the same circles. And I think that we have sort of an understanding of that, but there is a tension there and it's very hard to navigate. And I've often felt a bit out of place, but then I recognize that I've likely made myself out of place in attaching to multiple groups of people and therefore not to anyone in particular. So I enjoy aspects about the way I go about socializing, but it certainly comes at a cost. And I recognize that for me, it's a cost that I think works. Did that answer your question? Yes, absolutely. And then I would flip it around and say, are there groups that you identify with or in your earlier years of Kenyan groups that you tried to associate with to form your identity in this community? Yeah, there there definitely are. Almost from the get-go, I started playing rugby with the club rugby team, and that became a big part of how I would define myself at Kenyon and also where I made a lot of my friends starting in freshman year you know even now i'm making new friends on the rugby team it was interesting because my freshman hall i lived in upper lewis my freshman year and we were an uncommonly tight-knit hall we did everything together we went to pierce together we hung out on the freshman quad together we went to parties together and there was sort of that group that laid the groundwork i guess for how i would meet new people and sort of make new connections And so it was through my freshman hall that I found the rugby team, actually. Andrew Pochter, 
lived in my hall. It's his birthday today. And he brought it up to me and said, hey, like, how would you feel about trying rugby? It's a club sport. There's no coach. It's self-coached. Let's go try it. So we went down and uh, I fell in love. The guys there were great, just the right amount, friendly and inclusive and just the right amount, competitive and the right size chip on their shoulders, I guess, to be attractive to me. And so that was something that became a huge part of my life for the last four years. I also started rushing a fraternity. I went through about three weeks of pledging and ended up dropping out because I thought I was going to transfer. But that was also a very sort of formative experience for me because it, again, opened more doors for me just because I became closer with the people in that fraternity. And even though I didn't eventually become a brother of that fraternity, I remained close with a lot of the people who were. I think that gets to an idea that I should have mentioned earlier when you asked about my social habits. Many of the people I've gotten to know are people that I've met through people that I already know. Right. And sort of the network of Kenyan people. And I've often been asked by friends how I know so-and-so. And I say, well, I met them through John or through Carol or whatever the person's name is. And people always give that a look and pause thinking that I didn't meet someone through an event or through a group that we all share, which I think is interesting and says something about the way we perceive ourselves to socialize, that we can only really do something if we share something in common with someone. And I would say, I don't think the following happens enough at Kenyan or outside of the Kenyan bubble. People that are different from you are incredibly valuable in challenging your values and making you think about why you value certain things. And I would ask you, to what extent do you think Kenyan people, or if you're willing to be personal about this, do you welcome others who might disagree or might have different opinions? into your life and into the discourse of socializing with others? That's a really interesting question. I would definitely agree with your sentiment of meeting people through other people as being sort of a commonplace occurrence for me. I know a lot of the people that would become some of my closest friends were introduced to me by other friends of mine and not necessarily through an organization or at a party or something. It was just like, hey, this is so-and-so, my friend. You are also my friend. Let's put all of the friends together. Right which is sort of cool. And so the other thing that you mentioned sort of made me think, I know that you said that when someone asks how you know X, like if someone said, hey, Kip, how do you know Zach? And if they had said, oh, you know, I know him through Max, then people will base your friendship with me on their friendship or their knowledge of Max, right? as well as those of (laughs) you, which I think is a really interesting concept because I feel like I am very willing to put myself out there to new additions to friend groups or social circles. But I do notice that depending on what the circumstances are of my meeting them, my first impression will be shaped by who introduced them to me or which friend said, hey, this is someone I know. Let's do this. Absolutely. I know I mentioned the Kenyan bubble earlier. I think one really negative aspect about it is that it is a bubble and that Kenyan students and maybe the faculty as well think so much about what happens here. And obviously we read the news and watch the news and try and stay in touch with the outside world. But if something bad happens at Kenyan or something great happens at Kenyan, it's almost all we talk about. It becomes the livelihood of people here. And I think that that makes sense because we obviously are where we are present, but at the same time, things become amplified and circulated so much that a small or minor offense 
is translated to someone else, it becomes gossip, and it's one of my least favorite things because I think when you get out of Kenyan, as I've heard from some alumni, you recognize what really matters, and it almost feels as though we broaden the severity or gravitas of certain trivial things for four years, and I hope that there are less and less people doing that over time, but I'm also aware that I have, to a degree, done that. Do you think that's an issue that affects Kenyan? Yes and no. There are some issues that are so important to a certain group of people that they will go the extra mile to sort of show how important that issue is to them. And so that can sort of snowball this effect down through other groups or other people who either become A, attached to this ideal that this one group has started and sort of shown that really means a lot to them, or B, can sort of cause a pushback or some sort of opposition merely based on your judgments of certain people. If there's something that they care strongly about and you don't necessarily think highly of them, you aren't going to think highly of what they are promoting, so to speak, not to put it coldly. But I think that there is this sense that there can be issues here that get blown out of proportion. But there also are people here who care a lot about certain things and do a really good job in showing how much they care about that and letting other people help them build that ideal. That's definitely true. Another issue with the Kenyan bubble that I think relates to snowballing is the idea that certain opinions prevail here over others because it's a small community. I think there are certain beliefs and ideas that are very prevalent and powerful and almost ironic given some of Kenyan's values. For example, I think Kenyan is a very liberal school. So there are a lot of people who have democratic values and there are a lot of people who aren't necessarily religious and might criticize religious tendencies. I think the ironic aspect about that is that Kenyan claims to be very open-minded, and I assure you that there are people who are Republican or maybe conservative Christian or a mixture of various values that Kenyan doesn't necessarily promote who don't feel comfortable discussing or engaging in the discourse. And at the risk of sounding dramatic, I've been very disappointed in Kenyan for claiming to be as open-minded as it does and making it very hard for some people to share values. Don't get me wrong, there are some values that I think can be dangerous, but I think with said quote-unquote dangerous values, of which I think there are very few at Kenyon, you need to engage with them in a dialogue to understand that side and therefore craft a better approach to said issue. And it's just something that I see often at Kenyon as news from the world pours in and people develop their opinions. What do you want to say about that? It's funny that you brought up politics, especially, because that can be extremely polarizing here. And it was the same way in my high school. The Waldorf school I went to, first of all, is sort of a liberal arts type high school in a very liberal town, Austin. Some call it the, quote, liberal oasis of Texas. And it's the same thing here. You know, we are in this college environment where people are forward thinking and the youth is sort of raging here. And you find a lot of liberal minded students. And I would go so far as to say that they are the vast majority. But when you do have somebody who opposes something as simple as that, which is their right, you can see a lot of pushback. In fact, I actually voted for a libertarian candidate in 2012 and was, I would go so far as to say, almost ostracized for it by a lot of people. The fact that I didn't vote for Obama really sort of made people think twice about the way they wanted to approach our friendship or our connection, which is really interesting. You know, the same thing goes for whether it comes to religious beliefs or I would go so far as to say, to a lesser extent, even socioeconomic class or where you stand and how much money your family makes outside of Kenyan, which is pretty ironic. 
Right, and that's definitely difficult to discuss, as well as other aspects which continue to define and also differentiate people in various communities of several different sizes. And we are going to get to some of the positive aspects of small communities, but one last thing that I'd like to say about the negativity that I see is the sense that with the ideas of gossip, privacy goes out the window. And that, like other things that I've criticized, has saddened me to the extent that college, as a place of growth, is not only a place where people can make mistakes, but where people should be allowed to explore and sort of do things on their own and be independent without the need to worry about their appearance or their impressions on other people. I'm not necessarily referring to how people socialize, but if I'm taking a class that maybe I'm embarrassed of taking or don't want to discuss with other people, I would hope that I'd have the right not to talk about it. But at Kenyon, there are things like that where, frankly, people want to know. People want to be involved in your life in some way and informationally armed with what's going on with you. And I think that's really tricky, especially when we all have different realms of our life that we do or don't want to share. Have you run into any conflicts regarding privacy or related stuff? Yeah, I would say that if you haven't, to some degree at Kenyon, you are a rarity. Whether it's an intimate relationship or a class you're taking, or even just sort of a, a belief that you have that you don't want to make public, it's going to get out there at Kenyon. You know, it's so-and-so hooked up with so-and-so. What do we think about that? So-and-so drank way too much last night. There was an ambulance. What do we think happened? I've seen people devastated by something about them that they wanted to keep private getting out to other people because it happens every day at Kenyon. That's just something that as a Kenyon student, you sort of have to come to terms with, unfortunately. And it's tough to come to terms with. And I know it was, it was tough for me a lot just because I there are a certain amount of things about my life that I like to stay about my life and just with me. And that doesn't matter. It's interesting that you said that people want to informationally arm themselves because there is this sort of sense that the more you know about somebody who is either a friend or an acquaintance or even somebody you don't know at all, the more social power, without sounding too melodramatic, you have in this community. And that can be a really dangerous thing. So, of course, with said negative aspects about running into people constantly and dealing with a lot of other people in a very confined space, there are benefits to living in a small community, which we are, of course, now going to talk about. One of them to me that stands out is that at any given event or in any space, even if the location or the class or wherever you're going isn't a familiar place to you, you are very likely to run into someone that you've met before, someone you know, especially in freshman year when everyone's meeting everyone else. You're going to see familiar faces, and I think it can make Kenyan as an unfamiliar space become a lot more digestible and easy to maneuver. And I don't feel personally really uncomfortable going places anymore because I know that I'm going to see people that encourage me or make me feel more welcome. Have you had similar experiences? Yes. I think it is very comforting when you are, certainly as a freshman the most, when you are in a big class for Kenyon with a new professor and a new subject and you're looking around and there's no one you know and then somebody from your hall walks in and you can sort of have that connection that you have already established in a different sphere at Kenyon in the classroom. And whether it's, you know, going to eat, you know, we'll go to the dining hall and you can almost be guaranteed that there's going to be somebody that you know well enough to sit down with and have a conversation with when you have a meal. You don't really see that at a lot of other places. 
Personally, it was a very familiar phenomenon just because of the size of the school that I had gone to in high school. And while obviously now we're talking about the positive side, but while it can be limiting, I think there are a lot of beneficial things that come with this sense of comfort that you get with just mere acquaintances sometimes. And I think that in a large part, we talk about things that happen on the weekend, let's say, or people, you obviously reference drinking too much, that I do think there are people who might know you or know of you who will look out for you. And I think that's a really great thing about going to a party where maybe you don't know a lot of people, accidents happen, people get in trouble or in situations that otherwise aren't great. And I'd like to think that for a large number of Kenyan students, they know enough people that if something does happen to them, someone will recognize them, look out for them, ask where they are, where they're going, and generally keep an eye out and try to keep everyone in a good place, feeling safe. Ideally, that's the impression that I've often had of knowing a lot of other Kenyan students and how that can be beneficial. One thing that I'd like to say in terms of knowing people, you mentioned Andrew Pachter earlier, and as of our recording this on the 5th of May, it is his birthday, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on him, maybe as it relates to Kenyan as a small community, but if not, he deserves recognition, and you're more than free to talk about him. Yeah, I think that there is way too much to say about him in the time we have left, but I will say in terms of the benefits of a small community, it is people like Andrew who sort of stand out. I was lucky enough to have gone to high school with someone who actually knew Andrew and was abroad with him for a year before he came to Kenyon. So I had that extra connection coming to Kenyon, that one person that I was like, you know Laura, I know Laura. We had talked on Facebook a couple times. And then it just so happened that we were living right across the hall from each other. So I looked out personally in terms of that connection. But also something that Andrew did very well was capitalize on this small community in terms of reaching out across the barriers that the organizations that he was a part of built. He was in a fraternity, he played rugby, he lived in the Hillel house, but at the same time, every single weekend, he made an effort to go somewhere new, find someone new, introduce himself, and sort of include them into this rapidly growing circle of people that he was in the center of and that he sort of was connected with. Not to mention that he was extremely passionate about a lot of things that he made well known here and that he sort of built upon by forging these relationships with professors and with other people that he found that were also passionate and also shared this love for what he loved. So he definitely set an ideal for the way to glean the most out of this type of community. I would agree, and I say that because although I never knew him personally, we had definitely crossed paths a few times, and I remember coming back to Kenyon the summer after he passed away, hearing about him, and going to a memorial service that was held in Pierce Pub beneath our dining hall, and I remember, of course, not knowing him personally, but listening to the very impassioned, tearful, and earnest statements that people made about him as a person and the impact that he had had on their lives and also looking around and seeing the diversity of students from various groups and various places in their college career talking about him and I think it says a lot that he as a person that I interacted with minimally made a resonance and something that has not only affected of course the people like you who knew him very well and of course saddened by his loss but also people like me who indeed also saddened by the fact that he was killed but also affected by the people who remember him so fondly and have stories and I think that's a really positive thing about a community like Kenyon or any small community that people remember the positive things and I wish we shared them more often before tragedies like what happened to Andrew but the fact that we do still share them at any point is of course to be commended and I think the fact that I have such a high opinion of someone that I really never knew personally 
says a lot about him and a lot about people's ability to communicate in communities like this the things that they remember. To add on to that, it's not just this remembrance. While it's a huge part of it, another benefit of this small community comes after the tragedy. Like you said, when you went to this memorial service, it really is the entire campus, the entire community that is coming together to sort of remember this individual together. And so it is something that I've found in high school. I experienced a lot of loss. And even at Kenyon with Andrew's passing, a small community like this that is so tight-knit and so interwoven in times of tragedy or in loss or in grief will rise up together no matter what the clicky sort of social norms are. You get this sort of cohesion that you might not find in other communities. I agree. I think that cohesion is something to be admired. I personally wish we saw it more frequently, but I'm not going to scoff when it does pop up because I think it's very, very important. And on that note, are there any things you would like our audience to think about in regards to small communities, maybe even specifically Kenyon, before we close the episode? Yeah, I think that in regards to Kenyon or similar schools, first of all, it's really important to know yourself and to know your boundaries and where you draw the line in terms of certain social interactions, whether it's how much you want to drink or how much you want to be known about yourself or how okay you are with certain things being known about yourself. I think it's important to really have that realization before you become a part of such a small community that you will be a part of for a long time. And at the same time, it's also important to step out of that comfort zone and step out of yourself to sort of reach out to other people who you wouldn't necessarily think to introduce yourself to or include in a conversation to make that extra effort to connect yourself with the other people in the community. I agree. And in memory of Andrew, I would urge people to do so and to consider the boundaries that exist and to try and press them and go socially where you would like to go simply out of interest in other people and of course expanding your social circle. And I would also ask people to consider how their communities affect them in either positive or negative ways, what those influences are, and of course what impact you can and do have on the people around you and the ways in which your community socializes. Zach, as always, I thank you for coming on. It was really great to have you. Yeah, it was great to be here. Thanks for having me. And of course, we would love this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. We would love to hear what you think on this topic or any of the other topics we've discussed. You can reach us on Twitter or on Facebook. Our email account is stridensaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed the episode, please consider sharing it with friends and reviewing us on iTunes. And if you quote the text of your review on iTunes and email it to us, you will be entered for a chance to win a $20 Amazon gift card. And as always, we thank you for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.